Welcome to the Biochar podcast presented by Antbig. Our podcast features experts speaking about biochar, how it's made, its uses and applications, and the impact it has socially, economically, and environmentally. Antbig is a not-for-profit industry group, and as a global leader in biochar, assists companies, governments, and institutions in the effective production and use of biochar. Antbig works to streamline education, research, collaboration, and the commercial uptake of biochar and wood vinegar. Our aim is to help create a more sustainable future, greater economic prosperity, job opportunities, and an improved quality of life for all of us. We hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, good afternoon, everyone. I'm Don Coyne, the current CEO of Anspig, um, and I'm joined today by Sam Sagani, our cluster manager. On today's episode, we will be discussing uh, biochar's role in protected cropping, uh, which is basically growing plants in controlled environments. In today's podcast, we will discuss the various components of the pyrolysis and gasification process, uh, their applications and the economics, uh, including the keys to open carbon markets. To help us discuss the topic, we have Peter Burgess, Managing Director of Rainbow Bee Eater, and he's also our Vice Chair. Peter envisages the major roles of bioenergy and biochar. He has over 30 years of operational and commercial experience in the industrial mining as an engineer, manager, and leader. Welcome, Peter. Thanks, John. Thanks, Sam. Yeah. So, Peter, you've um, you've developed biochar technology for more than a decade now through Rainbow Beater, and you've commissioned one of Australia's largest biochar projects, which is sitting aside a one hectare glasshouse in Tantanula, South Australia. So, the first question is: Can you give us a brief overview of that project, please, and as far as how it came about and who funded it? Yes, yeah, so this is a one hectare glasshouse that grows herbs, things like basil and oregano that you might buy in Coles and Woolworths. And um, the, the owner, Ian Lyons, was looking around for a, a lower cost and lower pollution way of heating the glasshouse because the, the plants need to be kept warm um, so that you get high plant yields. And previously he was using waste oil and it was dirty. Um, the boiler was dirty to clean for his workforce. No, he was looking for an alternative to that. And one of the state government um, officers um, was clever enough to piece all those things together and realise that maybe this technology that he'd heard about, the pyrolysis technology, might be suitable. So we were introduced to Ian and um, he came and looked at the prototype that Ian Stanley and I had built in Western Australia. And Ian's a... Um, as I say, he's an adventurer, so he was, he was prepared to have a go. He knew this, he knew this would be an R&D journey, and he said, I'll have a go. And so that's how it happened. So essentially, he, he agreed to um, us building a commercial unit there, which we all reached deep into our pockets for. You asked the question about funding. Well, everyone involved had to reach pretty deep into their pockets to enable that project to happen. Um, certainly, HoloFresh have. Biogrow, the, um, the company that supplies the waste wood and takes the biochar and the wood vinegar also contributed, as did STA, the engineering firm that was 
involved in, in building and helping commission the place. Um, and the Australian government, the R&D tax incentive program, um, which, we, which we've relied on pretty much ever since we started Rainbow Beater in 2009. So it, it was a joint effort and it's, it's been a, an R&D project for two or three years and we're still doing experiments there and, and, and modifying things. So I guess that's the, the short answer of how it came about. Right, and, and what are the main components of your technology and its processes that benefit Holler Fresh Herbs? Yeah, so the technology itself is a continuous automated system that takes wood residues or crop residues like straw in one end, and out the other end comes a continuous stream of a cool syngas, as we call it, synthetic gas, that can be used in place of natural gas or liquid fuels for heating or electricity, um, and, and the biochar that we, that we know well and, and love, um, and, and wood vinegar. And so all, HoloFresh just uses the heat. So all they need is the, is, is the syngas. And so essentially they're a, they're a home for the ECHO2 unit where BioGrow brings the waste wood and that's, that's continuously fed through the system, provides the gas, which we then burn to provide heat for the glasshouse, and then, and then BioGrow take away the, the compost and the wood vinegar. So, so for HoloFresh, as far as they're concerned, they've got a clean, renewable source of energy um, that essentially is free. Mm, it sounds like a real collaborative effort from kind of the incarnation of it, even to how the process works and how each kind of party looks at and uses either the energy produced or the biochar produced and then the wood vinegar as well. Well, it's in a way we're replicating nature because nature doesn't have proprietary limiteds. Nature just is. Nature is just this whole wonderful system that works. And when we set up circular economies like this, that's what starts to happen. And so we need a few organisations involved and everyone wins out of it, including the climate. Um, food, and I'll, I'll digress a little bit, but... Um, we're going to talk about protected cropping a bit more. The food that's grown in protected cropping around the world probably emits about one or two tonnes of CO2 for every tonne of food that's grown, some, some number like that. It'll be, you know, whether it's tomatoes or capsicum or something like that. And yet those same processes produce residues that sometimes are burnt and landfilled. Um, and certainly the communities around them will have residues that are burnt and landfilled at the moment. And so by putting this sort of technology to work to provide the energy for, in this case, protected cropping, you can turn food from a, um, a carbon emitting um, process, so food, food growing and supply from a carbon emitting process to a carbon removal process. And so the calculations we've done on, for instance, some large tomato glasshouses is that tomatoes could go from being emitting two tonnes of CO2 to actually sequestering two tonnes of CO2 in the biochar that gets produced. Yep, that's yep. a longer answer to a short question, I guess. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. Uh, so what, what are the other bio products not used by HoloFresh and, and who and how are they used? Yeah, so all of, all of the biochar and the wood vinegar from this first project goes to Biogrow, as I mentioned. Um, they, they've got one of Australia's largest 
composting and recycling facilities only about 30 or 40 kilometres away from HoloFresh in South Australia. So it's, an, it's a natural home for the biotar and the wood vinegar, um, which goes into their composting products and, um, and, and from there into local farms and vineyards and, and some of their bag product. Um, the, the wood vinegar initially was what do we do with it because we, we all know that wood vinegar's probably got a, a wonderful um, market ahead of it, um, but, but still very emerging. We, we haven't really explored that much in Australia. It's interesting, though, that we're now starting to get some interest in um, in the wood vinegar. Um, so yeah. we'll, we'll okay. see how it evolves. I, I'm, I'm very hopeful about that. Okay. So at the, at the moment... Uh, sorry, uh, sorry, Sam. At the moment, um, the wood vinegar is within the biochar, or it's separate. No, we've kept it separate because um, th those of you who attended the study tour might remember that the char was quite smelly um, in mm. the first few months that we produced it, and that was a problem because it, it meant the local environment around the plant was smelly. So we no longer put the wood vinegar in the char. We we okay. dose the char with fresh water. And, yep. and separately ship the wood vinegar to Hollow Fresh. And so the, the, the system now is um, odour free, which is what we always wanted. Oh, so they're and, using and that. that yeah. wood, yeah. And that, now that we know that wood vinegar is likely going to have a lot of markets for as a biostimulant and perhaps as a pest repellent for things like snails, I think that's been a pretty wise choice. Okay. Yeah. And um, are there any track results for the people that are using the products, like the um, the biochar, for example? What is that question, Sam? Yeah, so just um, does the user track any results oh, yeah, from, sure. from that? I mean, the, all the companies involved in these things are clever, you know, very clever companies. Um, Biogra and HoloFresh, you know, track their data relentlessly. Um, that, and they'll be... Um, they'll, I guess, think about whether they release that data publicly or not, because, you know, they're commercial operators that are, you know, trying to make a living in a world where it's hard to make a living, especially in those two industries. So for sure, they're tracking the data a lot. Um, and I think the best sign we've had that things are successful for Biogrow is that they want more. That's always the, the, the best sign that a customer's happy is that they want more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, Peter, as, as a technology provider uh, of biochar technology, what, what do you get out of the project, I guess, as a once-off and then ongoing? Yeah, we don't see ourselves as a technology provider. I mean, we're, we're a technology provider by default. We never, never ever thought we'd develop, have to develop a technology. We just wanted to buy a technology, but we couldn't find one, and so we ended up developing one. Our intent always was we want to find a way, a low-cost way to sequester a lot of carbon in biochar using waste residues and get and use the energy on the way past yep. to, to finance all of that. And we couldn't find a technology that did that, and so that's why we became a technology developer. But we'd see ourselves as a project developer um, to help carbon removal. So we're yep. a carbon removal project developer. So for us, HoloFresh is one step along a path that we hope will be towards a million tonne a year by, of carbon yep. removal by 2030. Yep. That's our ambition. Okay. So yep. 
I guess what what HoloFresh has done for us is put us on the map. Yes. And now yeah. that now that we're selling carbon removal to companies like Microsoft that you've heard about and others, um, it it means that we've got a, a global mm. market of people who are interested yeah. in what we're doing. Yeah. Um, I guess. I yeah, guess. And that, uh, I suppose that kind of feeds in perfectly to um, our next question, just in regards to. Um, the fact that the project has been verified as a carbon drawdown for credits. Um, one of the questions we have is just, I suppose, you know, what price are you getting and does it benefit all parties? For sure, it benefits all parties. Um, like Rainbow Bead is a, since 2009 has been what in the financial world would be called pre-profit, right? So the the first time we make a profit, I'll tell you about it. I'll shout very loudly. Um, and and presumably we will be pre-profit for a while yet. Um, everyone benefits out of the way this circular economy works. Um, and now that there's carbon removal revenue coming in, it means companies that can't offset their carbon footprint in any other way can, can buy carbon removal. So... You know, in some ways, we're now benefiting Microsoft. So as well, so as well as this system benefiting the local region around HoloFresh, so there's no longer waste oil being used. Um, the food is now being grown in a at least a carbon neutral way because they're they're selling the carbon credit. Um, Biogrow are getting the benefits of of disposal of waste timber and the biochar and the compost. So. Um, again, it's like nature. Nature benefits everyone in the environment, and so it's, it's just like that. Everyone has to make a dollar out of it, and so that's the whole thing will you know eventually settle out so that everyone does make a dollar out of it. Um, yeah, but as I said, we're pre-profit at the moment, so we're just pouring it all back into R and D. Yeah. Okay. And and what size is the protected cropping industry in Australia and New Zealand, uh, Peter? And how do you see it rolling out in our region and overseas? Yeah. Well, one, one thing I missed in the last answer too is I think the other benefit for the... This is an industry, the biotech industry is one where you're all trying to pull up by its bootstraps. And one of the things that I believe has stood in the way of biotech is it's just been too expensive for a lot of these larger applications. And so the economics of the sort of system that we put at HoloFresh mean that the biochar cost of production is a very low number. In fact, it, it, you know, at HoloFresh, it's something around zero. And so therefore, the, the, the price that that biochar can be sold into the marketplace by Biogrow or someone like that, because they, they still do some processing, so they've, they've got some cost that they add to that, can be a low number, you know, maybe a few hundred dollars a tonne. And our belief has always been that once biochar is available for farmers and um, you know, for animal feed or for putting into asphalt, things like that, if it's available at a few hundred dollars a tonne, then very large markets will open up. And so I think everyone wins out of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. In terms of the protected cropping industry, so, so HoloFresh, this is a one hectare glass house we're talking about. The worldwide amount of crops that are on the glass. I don't know the exact number. I think it's, I wrote something down before. I think it's something like 50,000 hectares is under glass. So HoloFresh is one hectare. Um, and in Australia, I think it's something like three or 400 hectares. 
they're under glass. So it gives, and, it, and it's a very rapidly growing industry too, um, particularly cropping. I think it's growing at 10 or 20% per annum. So yep. the, the opportunities there for our industry, I think are very large. Yes, yes. Thank you. And Thanks. overall, um, what are the main benefits for protected croppers out there in using biochar technology to improve their operations? Yeah, initially, yeah, for Ian Lyons, it was um, lower energy costs and, and a cleaner source of energy. I think that would, and, that, and that's still the biggest driver, reduced costs, for sure. The, the spot price for natural gas in Victoria went to $50, something like $50 a gigajoule a couple of weeks ago, um, whereas contract prices five years ago might have been 5 or $6 a gigajoule. So there's a lot of price volatility in the gas market um, that, of course, everyone wants to avoid. And so, these, again, these sort of bioenergy solutions can um, take, take people out of that fossil fuel market where they've got that, that price risk. So that, that's the initial driver is, is saving costs because you know, the supermarkets are always trying to get lower prices from their growers. But now I think it's I think it's changing because now that the um, these carbon removal markets have started, and we'll talk more about this at the conference. Um, that we we've been approached in the last six months, and this is very public. So Microsoft, Shopify, Continental Tires, Nestle, Mars, um, Goldman Sachs, and a, and a raft of others have, are now publicly coming out and saying, "Please bid in, please please give us your bid." for a million tonne a year or something like that of carbon removal, which the world doesn't have. We, we've got trees, but trees are an impermanent way of removing carbon. And so the, the opportunity that's now giving us is that food growers can now start to think about how they can become, they can grow carbon neutral tomatoes or carbon neutral macadamias or whatever. Because at the moment, most of those foods are not carbon neutral. You know, they're, they're carbon positive in some way. Yeah. So I think there's a, the short-term answer is lower-cost energy and lower costs in general, but the longer-term answer is we get carbon-neutral food. Yeah. And, yeah, finally, Peter, you may have just answered it, but the theme of our conference this year is, is biochar and the carbon drawdown decade. So how will biochar and the associated technology help us achieve more carbon drawdown? Well, it's, um, I'm preaching to the converted here, I know. Um, it's one of the few ways that mankind's identified so far for actually pulling CO2 out of the atmosphere and putting it back in the ground. And it's, and it's a useful way. It's got all these other benefits once it's in the ground. When Microsoft released a white paper when they, when they did their search last year, and um, in that they reviewed all these technologies from forestry through to growing kelp and direct air capture and so on. And, and while these biochar technologies are still emerging, it's still very early days for our industry, it looks like it's just a very low cost way of using these tens, hundreds of millions of tonnes of biomass that we burn all around the world every year and converting that into both energy um, and carbon drawdown. Yep. So I think we're at the start of something very, very exciting. Yes. Yep, great. All right. Well, look... Uh... We'll wrap it up there. Um, thanks, thanks very much. And uh, what's the best way for people to get in contact with you, Peter? 
they should ring you first, John. <laughs> okay. All right. And I'll give them my number. Through, through, give them your through number. Through Anspeak. Yeah. Okay. Through Anspeak yeah. or, yeah. or yeah. perhaps yeah. visit the Rainbow Beta website. The, the Rainbow yeah. Beta website. Okay. They can, anyone can get us through the Rainbow yeah. Beta website or the yeah. Pruro website, which is the way we sell the carbon drawdown credits. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks, Sam, uh, our cluster manager, and for co-hosting today and all the viewers and listeners for joining us. We hope you found it valuable. Uh, so this interview will be uploaded into both Ansbig's Vimeo and YouTube channels, and you can subscribe and listen to the Biochar podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And uh, up next week, we've got uh, Jennifer Lorber-Patterson, who's from the Frontier Impact Group, and she's going to be talking about uh, a joint venture that they're working on uh, in the green diesel uh, area. So thank you very much, and we'll see you next week. Charles.